Welcome to TechBytes.nz, Tech and Leadership Talks with Two Hands. I'm Craig Young, CEO, and this week we're talking with Gerd Lenhard, globally respected futurist who's based in Switzerland. We're talking on the post-pandemic world of technology. I hope you enjoy it. Well, kia ora and uh, good evening, Gerd. Um, thank you for joining us. I, it's morning where you are, so I hope it's a good morning. <laughs> Um, thanks so much for giving us your time. Look, by way of introduction to yourself, can you talk a little bit about what led you to thinking about and then speaking about the future as your passion? Yes, it's been a long road. You know, I used to be a musician and producer, um, and I went to school in, in Berkeley College in, in Boston. And then uh, in the 90s, I got involved with internet projects for digital music, yeah. Um, and I started a few companies in San Francisco in the dot-com years. Uh, and then very quickly, I realized I was quite good at, at understanding what was, what's coming. Yeah. But I wasn't so good at like, realizing the business plan behind it. <laughs> so, so my view was always 10 years early. So I started a company kind of like Spotify you know, in, in the 90s. You know? <laughs> and of course, that didn't go. So I wrote my first book, The Future of Music about the music business in 2004 and that became a bestseller and then people started saying well you know about the future and I'm like you know I'm not really like I don't I don't do predictions but I I observe right so my work is not to tell people what's coming which is ridiculous you know nobody knows yeah. really but it's to kind of share my observations you know hunches intuition what we call foresight right so my job is really all about foresight it's not so much about you know telling people what to do yeah Tell me a little bit more about that first book. What did you say about the future of music? Well, it was uh, it was quite obvious what we said. I was I had a co-writer there as well, but um, it was quite obvious already in the late '90s that music was moving to the cloud. So rather than having a piece of plastic or a tape recorder or whatever physical product, you know, it, it would be much more efficient and faster and easier for everyone if it was in the cloud. But that was, of course, the idea of Napster. You know, so we were involved with that in those days and then and then the whole idea was in the book uh, we described the universal music device you know which essentially became the iphone and yeah. we used the we used the quote from david bowie who said music will be like water right uh, that was uh, in 2002 and we yeah. talked uh, to, to his people about this and then basically we said okay that's that's what we're talking about here music like water yeah. right? It was yeah. completely yeah, obvious, yeah. really. Yeah, with anybody that was in the business could see it. But the book became sort of the blueprint for the digital music business. Mm, cool. Yeah. Uh, but we were just talking before we started uh, recording. You you did visit New Zealand several years ago, and you've been back, obviously, um, not in the last year. Um, what were your okay. impressions when you were here for work on how prepared for the future we we are down here? Well, New Zealand is a very special place, you know, it's, um, and, and there are lots of reasons for that, not yet, not just as Jacinda Ardern, <laughs> but there, there are many special reasons for this. I mean, I think the community of people in, in New Zealand is pretty amazing, how people hold together and how they are open to others and each other. And, you know, it's, it's, it's culturally quite different than uh, pretty much almost the rest of the world, you could say. Um, and, you know, New Zealand and the future is kind of uh, synonymous. You know, in many ways, what New Zealand is doing is a sort of collective approach to like social capitalism, you know, is, is, is kind of the ticket for the future. And in many ways, you could say uh, we could learn a lot from how New Zealand does things. It's not all perfect, of course, and it's privileged to be 
in its position where it is now, geographically speaking and so on. But I always found it very interesting that people are so interested in talking about the future and analyzing the future and getting ready for the future. While here in Europe, you know, we're very much about the past and the present. You know, we are much more about history and we don't change very quickly. Um, and I live in Switzerland, which is even more so, uh, you know, curious, but not mm -hmm. really wanting to take a risk. And that has really impressed me about New Zealand, that people are saying, well, you know, we, we need to move forward and, and take a risk and, and look at the future. You're right. We are very fortunate to be what's been coined many years ago as the last bus stop before Antarctica, particularly around the <laughs> COVID-19 um, situation. I mean, that's had a huge impact in our world and, and in many ways and, and specifically on how we work. So if I could just, uh, I mean, this is your bread and butter, but, you know, what changes do you think that have come about by COVID-19 will actually last into that post-pandemic future? Yeah, I basically I always say about COVID-19, we, you know, we're not going back to normal, whatever that was. Uh, normal really wasn't good enough even before COVID. Uh, but COVID brought out you know, like, like a giant focus and also the, an accelerator. It brought out all the things that were good and the things that were not so good. You know, both of them were amplified. Right? So it's like people's uh, mindset has shifted because of COVID. For example, we are realizing how great technology is that allows us to communicate remotely like doing this uh, and that has been liberating for a lot of people on the other hand we realize there's a digital divide with people with people who can't either afford it or they can't be online fast enough or they don't know what to do and it was a giant learning curve for everybody so we realized it was good on the one hand on the other hand we have sort of a discrimination in many ways where people are not capable of doing it then they're closed out you know and we mm. also realized for example that equality is a major issue so in New yeah. Zealand, you know, uh, people were treated and, and uh, you know, you had precautions and, and you took action and stuff. And that was like in Brazil or in America. No, you know, it's yeah. just basically the inequality that you have was amplified through COVID uh, in those countries like the US and the UK and, and also Brazil. While in New Zealand, people move together, right? it seems, at least to me, yep. uh, it's yep. just different culturally. And then now with COVID, we also realize, for example, that in order to tackle something really threatening, like the COVID virus, we have to uh, come up with compromises and we have to actually do something serious about it. And we have to do emergency measures. And that is now becoming the blueprint for climate change. So I always say COVID-19 is a test run for climate change. Uh, because now we're saying, you know, the next big challenge we're having when COVID is, you know, moving away in the rear mirrors one day, hopefully, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's like, okay, now we're saying, okay, um, the next big thing is going to be climate change. And then after that, artificial intelligence, you know, for the, the things that machines can do in 20, 30 years. So we have to be able to uh, agree to take collective action, to work together. And COVID-19 has taught us how to do that, or it has pointed out when it wasn't happening, right? Yeah. So it's been like a giant focus. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So just, um, just can we just dial in then a little bit on technology then? So sort of digital transformation and the acceleration we've seen through that. You have talked about it showing, um, you know, it's a bit patchy in places, but what were the technologies that you think um, really shone through or, well, that's still shining through. Well, I mean, it's um, 
it's clear that in the crisis, we had to figure out a way to communicate better, to do things that were normally physical. Now we have to do them digitally. Mm. And that pushed a lot of people. I think Microsoft CEO Satya Nadeo said, said that um, basically we had more digital transformation in the last 12 months than the previous 10 years. <clears throat> That's because we had a reason to transform. Like all the schools went online, you know? And, and many yeah. of them not very successfully, of course, you know, because of the limited budgets and so on. Uh, inequality, again, the, the divide and those kind of things. But uh, technology showed us that it's possible to do that and that we don't have to be an engineer to go online and do a video call. Um, and e-commerce has exploded, right? And mobile devices and 5G is now basically, yeah, it's, it's the savior, right? <laughs> um, and in so many ways, technology has become much more useful and now you have like a hundred companies who do nothing but virtual conference rooms, like Hop In and other companies. Like, so it's, you know, I mean, I, I think in two or three years, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to travel in a hologram to Beijing to deliver a speech. And COVID has yeah. all, has the, had cranked up all these things about tech, you know, and that people felt like they can actually do something. And that will not go back. I think we are going to keep traveling and meeting each other when we can. But virtual things and uh, hybrid things are going to be a big part of our future. Mm, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to bring it back to New Zealand because that's where I am mm -hmm. and the people who are listening yeah. are here. So we have the aim of New Zealand being in the top 10 digital ready nations by 2030. We're about 19th at the moment, according to some measures. Mm -hmm. As an outsider looking at us, what big ideas do you think a country like ours, a small one, should focus on? Well, you know, I think when it's about digital readiness and the digital future, it, it is a mistake to just look at technology because technology is kind of a commodity in many ways. And, and you know, New Zealand is not going to be the leader in global AI research. You know, that, that's kind of a contested position. <laughs> so uh, I think that basically saying a digital readiness includes also the social, cultural, political, economic uh, implications of technology. For example, what's clearly coming is that uh, machines are going to get smart. I wouldn't call that intelligent, just smart. Mm -hmm. uh, but that means that they can do our routine jobs. So routine jobs includes call center, driving, flying, possibly, right? Uh, but also things like automation of work, uh, things like uh, paralegals. Machines can do legal research now. And very soon we can, we can speak to machines with voice computer interfaces. And even after that, we can connect directly with BCIs, brain computer interfaces. So that's gonna change the, the, uh, the shape of work. And when the shape of work changes, education has to change. Yeah. So basically it's the next 10 years, I always say, will bring more change than the previous 100 years. Uh, and that is really what New Zealand has to prepare for is to have a balanced approach to the power of technology without becoming technology. Like for example, if we're gonna automate jobs, uh, some of them will be automated to say 80%, like call centers. Now, can a machine answer a call to rebook your flight? Absolutely, it can and it will. So we're talking about roughly about 18 million people around the world in the call center industry. Um, and so government has to come up with programs to upskill those people. It has to get involved with uh, taxation uh, of robots, for example, as Bill Gates has yeah. pointed out. Nobody yeah. likes taxation, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, the government has to be pretty smart about all these changes. You know, big data, privacy, 
digital identity, uh, you know, much research shows that basically in 10 years, about 50% of the defense budget will be digital because of yeah. cybersecurity. And, and so there's tremendous opportunities, like we can solve climate change using technology, partly, of course, you know, after we decide politically, uh, yeah. we can solve diseases, right? Um, but it will take a lot of wisdom to make the right decision between too much technology or, for example, surveillance, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that is going to be crucial to have uh, wise governance of these issues. That's fascinating. So just um, you write and you talk about the future of humanity and technology. And, and um, I was just trying to remember the name of your, of your most recent book that um, we, we're giving away. But there's, there's lots of voices around the impact of tech, robots and AI as an example. I mean, could you just... Give us, you know, a couple of minutes nutshell on what your view on how this will actually play out. Yeah, <clears throat> the book is called Technology versus Humanity. That's right. Yeah. Um, Techvshuman.com. And uh, basically, in a, in a nutshell, we should not go into the future with fear. And we should not go into the future by saying we have to restrict science and research and technology because it may have a downside, you know, uh, depending, of course, how existential it is. You know, a hammer has a downside. I mean, I can take a hammer and kill somebody or I can build a house. You know? Technology is morally neutral until we use it, William Gibson. So that is one of the guiding lights into the future is we have to develop and continue to develop technology, but certain things have to be understood and regulated together because they're extremely powerful. You know, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, deep learning, has great benefits as long as it's used in some way that is supplementing humans. Right? Yeah. But if we're going to invent artificial general intelligence, which is basically simulating what a human is, you know, we may end up with a machine that has an IQ of a billion. Uh, and, and at that point, you know, Elon Musk and many people have been, and Hawkins have said this many times, at that point, we're going to need to, need to agree on what this power can do and what it can't do. Right? Yeah. So too much of a good thing, is a very bad thing. This is uh, the header in my book. Uh, and basically, when we have good things, we want to keep them good. But when we do too much of them, like smoking cigarettes, alcohol, and so on, right, then it becomes a big problem. So technology has to be balanced with our human needs and our societal needs and our goal and our ethics. Right? Um, and yeah. that is the key message in the book. So it's both kind of proactive. So moving forward and inventing, right? and also precautionary, which means when it gets too difficult and too existential, we need to sit down and figure out together how we're going to respond, because we shouldn't just be doing whatever we can just because it's possible. I mean, it's going to be possible for you to live 150 years using technology, probably in the next 10 to 20 years. It's becoming technically possible. And what are the rules around this? Right? And who gets to do it? Right? And so those are all like really big societal questions that we have to take a look at now. Yeah. And we're not going to be um, immune to that in a country our size down the bottom of the world because while COVID is, our physical distances work for COVID, when it comes to technology and um, well, we know that um, for cybersecurity, we're just as prone as anybody else because we're, milliseconds from the west of the world now really aren't we <laughs> yes well yeah. the other thing is of course new zealand is in a great position to take over 
a sort of thought leadership on a lot of these issues, you know, because of the cultural integration, the collective approach, you know, Jacinda Ardern's speech about governing with kindness, you know, I mean, that is unheard of anywhere in the, in the rest of the world. I mean, maybe here in Switzerland, we would uh, say something similar. I don't know. But we, you know, we have seven people on the top, not just one, but uh, it's a different system here. But I think the idea of digital transformation in the next decade will come down to how we actually make it positive, rather than just using whatever is like the Internet of Things, you know, and smart cities, all of these things are good. But you can see in Toronto how the sidewalk project by Google, how it ended up being rejected by everybody because it wasn't integrated in the cultural context. Right. And that is something that we really have to take a look at. We don't want to live in a world that's dehumanized or automated or becomes kind of like a, a world of algorithms, you know, because humans are not machines. Uh, at least I don't believe humans are machines. Some people do. But I think this is where New Zealand can take the leadership role and say, you know, humans and machines can can help each other to get to the goal of a flourishing society. Uh, that has to be a goal, not just a flourishing stock market like we have in America. Yeah. Hey, look, we didn't talk about this, but um, quite a few people who will be watching this will be in that future leader group, sort of the 18 to 30-ish. Is there... Um, some is there a particular skill sets or uh, things they should be thinking about studying to prepare them to lead into that uh, that future? Yeah, there's a few things. I call this a future mindset. Uh, and I always say the future is now a mindset. It's not a time frame. The future isn't about tomorrow. The future is already here. We just yeah. haven't noticed. you know and, and the future is no longer like like uh, Arthur C. Clarke, Space Odyssey or what it's no longer about that. The future, in so many ways, if you look, you can see the future already here. Like, you know, we had the first Chinese doctor doing a CRISPR-Cas9 operation of genetic engineering on a human three years ago. Right? So the future mindset basically lives a part in the future and the rest of it in today. So you have sort of uh, what's been called hybrid thinking, right? You take care of today but you're also realizing what is coming down the road. And I'm not talking about 20 years here. I'm talking about two, three, yeah. five, maybe 10 years, right? Yeah. Um, and also to, to go away from the technical engineering point of view, that is a very big challenge for people who are trained in this way. You know, the world isn't an engineering problem. There are many things that are engineering problems. You know, I'm yeah, from yeah. Germany where that is a holy grail, of course, right? <laughs> But in the end, you know, technology does not solve human problems or social problems. It, it makes them worse because it, it's efficient, right? So look at social media. Social media has not solved the media problem. Right? And now we find out it's actually gotten a lot worse. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and so my recommendation is that you look at technology and then you look at uh, all of the neighboring things around it, you know, ethics, values, society, work, employment, policy and all these things and you develop a complete understanding of the ecosystem right and the other thing is what bill gates calls the five hour rule i right? basically read about things that aren't imminent today five hours a week so i, I call it you know one hour per day is all i ask yeah right? yeah uh, and when you do that then you're starting to develop a kind of understanding of the future that will be almost a guarantee for your future employment and success yeah. because you start yeah. thinking about how you're going to respond 
and that will forge your path into the future. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, just to finish up, um, do you want to talk about what you're thinking about next? I know you're off to do some filming. Um, <laughs> where's your brain heading off to at the moment? Yes, you know, I, I'm working on a big project called The, uh, the Good Future. And the good future tries to define what good is. And that already is not easy. Right? And then to define how we get to the good future. And so in a nutshell, the good future would be uh, if we all had equal opportunity, we could all pursue our happiness and you know, a bunch of those kind of things. But how do we get there in terms of technology? How do we solve large global issues, climate change, food, water? And I, I came to the conclusion that this is mostly about governance and policy. Uh, and using technology to its best possible purpose. Right? So mm -hmm. bottom line of that uh, to me is that in the future, in the near future, we will have all the tools and tech and science we need. But will we have the will? Yeah. That, that to me is the key question. We have to have the policy and the will that says we're going to use this technology as follows. Yeah. Uh, and also to create collective benefit, not like uh, in the US, for example, where we have huge benefit of technology, but only applies to five or 10% of people. You know, everybody else is still struggling the same way. So uh, this kind of Darwinistic approach to the future is probably going to result in a lot of upheaval. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's going to turn around in the US. I have great hopes for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, that, that's kind of my key topic. And then I yeah. have started a new initiative called the Fork and the Road Project. And this is riffing off uh, Buckminster Fuller, famous futurists forkintheroadproject.com, where it's a nonprofit undertaking to say, okay, the next 10 years, we really have to get our stuff together uh, and design this feature together uh, so we can solve those big issues and still remain human. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hey, look, I'm just so so thankful for your time, Gerd. Um, if people want to uh, hear more or uh, watch some of your videos, what's the easiest way they can get to see, see you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty big on YouTube. I, uh, I have uh, over a thousand hours worth of speeches. So, so you can spend a, a, a weekend in fast forward mode. Okay. Uh, it's gertube.com. That's the shortcut, G-E-R-D, like my name, gertube.com will take you to my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, and my website is futuristgert.com, of course. So lots and lots of materials on this. And uh, yeah, let me finish by saying one thing. The future is better yeah. than we think. Yeah, I think this is really important to realize. The future is not dark. It's not made for somebody else. We design the future as we want it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. No, me. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.